0: We are endeavoring to have more voices on our Have Faith segment. We have a number of rabbis, we have a number of uh, pastors from various congregations here in the Valley, and we have wanted to expand this conversation and therefore are so pleased we can have with us today Greg Epstein, who is the humanist chaplain at Harvard and MIT. He served a term recently as president of the Harvard Chaplains Association, which became, of course, a big story, front page story in the New York Times when he was elected to that position as president of the Harvard chaplains. And, well, the story was, and the reason that we wish to, have, wish to have and are so pleased we can have Greg Epstein with us, is that he was portrayed, I think accurately, uh, as an atheist. And so, Greg Epstein, thanks for being with us. Uh, I think it's going to strike a fair number of listeners as being, well, somehow, uh well inconsistent that the uh harvard chaplain or the humanist chaplain at harvard and mit is an atheist you don't think so you're a best-selling author you have a new book coming out on this as well explain why or as i guess the better question is why not
1: (laughs) thanks bill it's great to be here um i love to you know talk with you and uh yeah i i'm an atheist uh it really you know People in my community define themselves as atheists or agnostics or non-religious. It, it kind of depends on the definition, um, because you, you know I'm an atheist in the sense that I I really believe firmly. You know, you, you played. I'm a believer. I believe that uh, God is a human creation. That God, um, if we're talking about the Judeo-Christian God, is the is the most influential literary character in the history of uh, our society and and maybe the world. Um, do I know for sure that there is no such thing? You can't disprove a negative, right? So you know, philosophically, that's impossible. And so if you prefer the, the term agnostic for that, that's fine. But I have a great sense of confidence that all of my knowledge, all of my experiences demonstrate to me that religion is a human created phenomenon, not vice versa. So. Humanist is a great term for it. Um, I didn't invent the term. It, it goes back uh, over a century in, in this sense and, and farther beyond that and in, in with different meanings. But it's basically a term for the positive beliefs and values and community for non-religious people.
0: Well, but I think humanist also actually describes a lot of religious people who would say that humanity is the source and the, the core of my beliefs. Am I wrong about well, that? Well, that's
1: why. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, if people want to, um, you know, argue, debate, discuss the meaning of the word, uh, that's great, uh, because humanist was a word that was chosen um, about a hundred years ago, about between 100, 110 years ago now, um, by largely a group of Unitarian ministers, uh, among some other fellow travelers who were realizing that they were studying evolution, they were studying anthropology, psychology, sociology. These were, these were new phenomena at the time. And they were realizing that Christian or even theist, even religious believer um, in a traditional sense was no longer applicable for them. It was, it was not descriptive of their identity anymore. And so they, they got together and said, well, what are we, if not that? And they picked this older word, humanist which in the Renaissance um, in Europe had come to mean the idea that there was more to know about life than the mind of God. You know, until the Renaissance humanists, there was just this idea that the only knowledge worth having was knowing the mind of God. And the Renaissance humanists who were believers in a God um, were also believers that there was much more to explore and understand just about humanity itself. And so it's sort of a precursor. But the point is if people consider themselves humanists and they're also uh, in one way or another traditional believers in a God, um, more the merrier because that's that's why I love doing interfaith work. I, I work as a chaplain alongside um, 30, 40 uh, great other chaplains at MIT, 40 to 50 other great chaplains at Harvard. Uh, we have all kinds of conversations across uh, religious divides and, and have tremendous amounts in common as well, and it's it's great work.
0: Uh, Greg Epstein, as the humanist chaplain at Harvard and MIT, I, I would appreciate it if you would go back to two words that you just used. and mm-hmm. One was atheist, the other was agnostic. Sure. And, and, and maybe it's my misunderstanding that I've had for decades, but mm-hmm. as I understand it, Atheism is really a belief in the denial of God, and agnosticism is more an equivocation. I don't know one way or the other, but I have other priorities in living my life. That's probably a horrible, the uh, inaccurate definition, but I'd appreciate it if you would correct me and help me understand.
1: Yeah, thanks, Bill. I, th- I think that you're you're accurate in keeping with most people's understanding or many people's understandings of the terms, but there's, there's a sort of more philosophically nuanced way to understand it, right? The, the idea of atheism to me simply means, um, the nervy belief that, uh, God is a human creation, not vice versa, that, that, um, the idea of a God or God's divinities, supernatural powers, um, are parts of our human culture, but that they're not real in the sense of, um, con- you know, the universe is not consciously interacting with us. It didn't, it didn't create us in any kind of magical, mystical sense. It's, it's sort of a, an assertion of that. Agnostic uh, is a term that was it was coined in the 19th century, and you know, there's a whole history to it. But it's basically um, an admission of our ignorance of certain things. You know, it's, it's an admission that we can't know for sure, but the original meaning of the term agnostic, and I think a lot of the, the ways that it's used today by people who might call themselves humanists as well, um, it, it's, it's more about the idea that, yeah, we admit that there are limits to human knowledge. We'll never know in our finite, human lives, in our, prec- in our precarious human lives, we'll never know for sure, we'll never be shown uh, at the pearly gates uh, what this is all about, what this is all for, what happened before the Big Bang. The Big Bang happened, and it wiped out everything that may have come before it. So we just can't know. But ethically, uh, from a humanist perspective, from my perspective, atheists and agnostic are virtually the same thing. Because if you believe that your ethics, your your way of understanding the meaning of life and your way of understanding what to do and how to be, um, ought to be determined by uh, by the commandments of a god, uh, then that's one way to live. But if you believe that we have to determine our ethics, we have to get our sense of meaning from our human experiences, from our interactions with one another, from our building of community, from from our best attempt to be loving, compassionate, good, and decent human beings, then whether you think there's definitely not a God or whether you're not sure exactly what's out there, but you're pretty sure that we're never going to know, you're, you're acting on the same kind of ethics. These are humanistic ethics.
0: So, Greg Epstein, a humanist chaplain at Harvard and MIT, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to uh, focus on the phrase you just used about there being a God, uh, Mm -hmm. or the denial of a God, because I think it is impossible to really begin to describe the hundreds, thousands, millions, perhaps, of ways, different ways in which people incorporate, internalize, or conceptualize God. Some people, of course, have it in the way you've just described, but other people say, there's a spiritual life. There are dimensions I don't know and I think they exist because I am a limited human being and there's so much I don't understand. And that dimension, those dimensions, that's spiritualism. That's mm. God for me. And it seems to me pretty difficult to uh, dispute that there's lots we don't know.
1: Yeah, there, there is lots that we don't know. I mean, I've been thinking about this lately because um, I... I got COVID in November and I I tried really hard to prevent my family and myself from getting COVID, but eventually, you know, it it came for us. And, um, after that, I seem to have developed some mysterious allergies that I've never had before. Maybe it's to gluten, maybe it's to something else. I can't figure it out. I've been to doctors and we're working on it. Right. But I have to sort of confront the fact that I may never know what exactly happened to me, whether it was COVID or something else, did I get poisoned somehow? It just, I have these new allergies. It's just a fact of my life and I have to cope with it. It's, there's nothing that I can do about it. I can't go back magically to the moment that it may have happened, whatever it is. And no, so we have to sort of figure out a way to go forward in our lives the best that we can. And I think, You know, it's made me think about how so much of our lives and so much of human history is that way. We don't get the opportunity to go back to all of the origins of all of the stories that we have about ourselves and our lives. And so I think that's really part of why it's been understandable and natural for human beings since the beginning of time uh, or at least the beginning of human history to project what we don't know out onto the universe, out onto the sky itself, and to think that there might be a power up there, um, out there, somewhere that we don't know and we can't see that is interacting with us. Um, you know, I, I had a friend, I have a friend, um, Dr. Joe Gerstein, he's the founder of a secular and humanistic um, addiction recovery method called Smart Recovery, who. Uh, really wanted me to call my book Good Without a God, because the implication of Good Without God is that there's one God, and we all know who that is, and really, as you say, there are hundreds, thousands of gods across different religions, and that's not even getting into how many different interpretations of God there are within each religion, right? There, you know, if you, if you ask 100 Christians or 100 uh, God-believing Jews uh, or, or whatever, you know, what do you believe about God? What do you believe God is? You probably get a hundred different answers. So, you know, I called it good without God, of course, because it sounds better. And as my my other uh, previous mentor, uh, the Reverend Peter Gomes, the late Peter Gomes from Harvard once said, I did it because it would sell more books.
0: Let let me let uh, me me mention that. uh, Greg Epstein's book is indeed titled "Good Without God." The subtitle is "What a Billion Non-Religious People Do Believe," and it was a huge New York Times bestseller. So, please
1: continue. That's more like a minor New York Times bestseller, but I'll take it. Um, thank you very much. And and yeah, so the um, the idea that there is um, a you know the the one God, right? Uh, it's it's natural to think that the power that is interacting or that we're, we're sort of projecting onto the universe is, is the, the only power. But, um, you know, there are all these different gods that people have imagined over time, over space, uh, over history, and which one would be the right one? Are, are they all correct? A humanist is somebody that chooses to believe um, that they're all natural, understandable human creations.
0: Are you spiritual in any way? Do you describe yourself that way?
1: Yes and no. Um, it really depends on what you mean by the word. Um, if you mean by the word spiritual, uh, some, a belief in some kind of supernatural spirit that's not the traditional God, but that, that might um, in some ways interact with me from beyond the laws of the natural universe, then no. But if, when we're talking about spiritual, what we mean is um, having a deep, uh, overwhelming sense of appreciation and, and awe at being part of this incredible universe, uh, of this incredible world, and, and how um, stupefyingly unlikely it is that any of us will ever be born, and how I'm unbelievably lucky I am to be here right now talking to you, to be the the father of my children, to be a person in this world that gets the chance to love and to live and to do my best, Then I'm profoundly spiritual.
0: We are speaking with Greg Epstein. He is the humanist chaplain at Harvard and MIT. And when we come back, I want to ask this question. Is this life all there is? There's no afterlife? What we have is all there will be, ever will be. We'll be right back. Mankind, after we
1: made you. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WH. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP.
0: We continue our conversation with Greg Epstein, who is the humanist chaplain at Harvard and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. I'd like to pose that question to you. Is this the world? After this, there's nothing. This life is our life. There's no afterlife, nothing after this. From your perspective.
1: Thanks, Bill. Um, it's a big question. It's one that is incredibly natural to ponder um philosophers and other great thinkers have pondered this question for thousands of years um and why shouldn't they um we know that there was a world before us and we know that there will be a world after us that's just something that we we take from our experience we observe (laughs) <laughs> that about everybody else that we've ever met that there was a world before them and that there will be a world after them and so we you know instinctively and through reasoning know that about ourselves too and so why wouldn't we want to know where if anywhere we're headed um and what will happen to us after you know we're no longer present in in the world that we can observe um, I would say, I, I my belief is that yes, this is this is it. This is our one and only life. This is the one thing that we've ever had. We're the products of evolution, and that's why this is the only world we'll ever have. Um, we are ev- we're, we're the collections of trillions of interconnected cells. Every one of those cells is made of carbon that came from exploding stars billions and billions of years ago. And so we are, in a sense, each of us, as Carl Sagan and others have noted, the universe knowing itself, coming to know itself. Um, But I think that the fact that we're uh, in our only life uh, makes us or can make us more aware, more attuned to how important it is to to get it right in this life in some sense to to live in a way that's worthwhile to really love to really connect to really see other people and ourselves as fully and truly as we possibly can and do something worthwhile with this time and these relationships
0: so greg epstein have you always been skeptical of god did this come to you as an epiphany in some way and in answering that could you give us a very brief sketch because that's all the time we have left of what your background and training has been that got you to this place?
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I I think I come from a a long tradition of um, non-religious or atheist or humanist uh, Jews. My family traces itself back to um, Europe before the Holocaust. um, But my mother was also a refugee from Cuba, uh, came to this country by herself with nothing. Um, And her father used to sit in the synagogue in Matanzas, Cuba, and at the back of the synagogue during Yom Kippur and read the socialist Yiddish newspaper. Um, (laughs) So, you know, it's part of a tradition for me. Um, And, you know, my point that I'd like to emphasize to people is that there are humanist, atheist, agnostics from all cultural backgrounds, from all ethnic backgrounds. And humanist is a word and a concept that hopefully could bring us together with some sense of common ground, with some sense that we're not alone, with some sense that we might create communities that can help us to be more ethical human beings.
0: We have been speaking with Greg Epstein. He is the humanist chaplain at Harvard and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He's going to be with us on an ongoing basis on our half-faith segment. We really appreciate your time, your insights, and we look forward to talking with you further. You will have a new book coming out, and we will be discussing that as well in future episodes. Thank you so much for being with us, Greg. Really appreciate your time and insights.
1: Thank you, Bill. It was a pleasure.